This is Neil Erwitz. I'm the Director of External Relations here at the Center for a New American Security. We're here today with Sean Brimley, who has written a new report on arresting the erosion of the U.S. military edge called While We Can. Uh, Sean, thanks for, for being with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, first thing, um, are you, what is the argument that we are losing our edge? Uh, I think the basic argument is that a lot of the technologies, well, first of all, U.S. military strategy has historically depended on being technologically superior. It was the way we beat the Soviet Union wasn't sort of matching them tank for tank, soldier for soldier, plane for plane. It was being smarter about uh, how we used our military forces and investing in the quality of those capabilities that could outmatch them. So one of our fighter planes could take on three of their fighter planes. Um, and different game-changing capabilities like the global positioning system of satellites, um, stealth bombers, for instance, that could obviate or offset elements of, of, of the Soviet Union, uh, Union's advantages on the battlefields of Europe. And it's the essential argument of my report and the argument that many uh, senior members of the Pentagon are making uh, in recent years is that a lot of those technologies that we have depended on uh, to underwrite our dominance have now either proliferated around the international system, i.e. China and Russia and Iran and others, and even non-state actors, can use all of these capabilities. So they're not unique to us any, uh, anymore, number one. And number two, a lot of uh, other emerging technologies are um, eliminating the sources uh, or the advantages of, of older platforms. So for instance, stealth, stealth technology is becoming easier to detect than it once was. And for, 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 for these two reasons, um, I argue that our technological superiority is eroding. And that erosion sort of puts at fundamental risk the foundation of our military power, which is really at the root of how we interact in the world and the basis of our power um, in the international system. So then if, if we don't put an end to this, are we going to lose deterrent capability and actually get into wars? Or is there a chance we would lose wars? Would, uh, or is this erosion part of the reason you know, that we've struggled in recent wars? Uh, to, to your first point, I think the answer is yes. I mean, our conventional military edge, um, such that we have it, is becoming more precarious. And there's been an, a lot of research done on this. I would highlight uh, my colleague Jerry Hendricks's recent report looking at the carrier air wing, which is a good case study. So we had all these capabilities, but now we were, we're facing adversaries that can fire these very accurate, precision-guided ballistic missiles for a thousand nautical miles. Well, when your carrier can, uh, when your carrier strike uh, group can only project power for say 600 nautical miles, which is the range of, of the tactical fighter aircraft on our aircraft carriers, well, that's a big problem, and that means that the deterrent power of those capabilities is less powerful than it once was. So, for instance, in the South China Sea, China becomes a little bit more aggressive in its island reclamation activities. They do military exercises. They empower their commanders to be a little bit more aggressive, and to get into dust-ups or uh, some competitions with local actors, these things can quickly escalate, and they can escalate, uh, they can escalate in ways that uh, put the United States in a tough position. Um, so the, the attention that we all need to pay to restoring the foundations of our conventional military deterrent power um, is, is a fundamental issue that I deal with in this report. Now we, uh, the U.S. that is, spends something like uh, more than the next, I believe it's 10 powers combined on on defense. Are we just spending this money really poorly? Uh, that's probably going a little bit too far. I think um, 
my essential conclusion is that, look, you know, the Department of Defense is the world's single largest bureaucracy. It is great at what it does. It has rested on these this foundation of military technology, like we talked about stealth and GPS, et cetera. And all those capabilities are still great. And in the vast majority of contingencies, the, the, the tools and the capabilities and the people that we have are more than enough for the task. The problem is that the pace of change in terms of technology is, 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 is rapid and growing more rapid. Uh, and, and the pace of proliferation of these capabilities around the world um, is growing more rapidly as well. So we're going to have to start reacting and anticipating and changing our strategies and changing our investments and changing the way we operate more rapidly. And there's a lag time. You know, other actors are inside of our decision cycles. They're moving more rapidly than we're adapting. And at some point, that lag becomes very significant to the point where we, we threaten the foundations of our power. And we're sort of at, what I'm, what I'm arguing is we're sort of at that point now. Um, and that's why there's, a, I hope, a sense of urgency in this report, which I think is, um, um, which I think others in the defense community are also growing more uh, more urgent about this issue. So is that uh, need to be more nimble, more quick, whatever you want to call it, um, is that at the centerpiece of the recommendations you make for how to actually fix this problem? Yeah, it is. So it, basically in the report I talk about, well, you know, what's, what this report essentially tries to do is, it, is it's almost like an explainer report. So there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about this so-called offset strategy. A lot of people have no damn idea what the <laughs> offset strategy is or, you know, Bob Work calls it the third offset strategy. Well, you know. Sounds like something you do on your taxes. A little bit. You're right. People have, you know, a lot of folks, have, even in the defense community, uh, it, it's a little bit over their heads. You know, Secretary Carter talks about his defense innovation initiative. He's opened up a new office in Silicon Valley. Bob Work talks about the third offset strategy. Undersecretary of Acquisition Frank Kendall talks about better buying power. So you've got this proliferation of terminology, the proliferation of initiatives in the Pentagon. And a lot of us, even within the defense community, are basically, <laughs> so what is the first offset strategy? What's the second <laughs> offset strategy? What are the technologies that underwrote those efforts? And why were they important to military strategy? Um, so this, this report tries in you know, about 8,000, 9,000 words to explain a lot of this and to sort of say, okay, this was the first offset strategy, nuclear weapons. The second offset strategy, precision munitions. Well, what are precision munitions, and then why were they so fundamentally disruptive to military affairs? And how does the proliferation of those precision munitions tee up the trends that we're talking about today in terms of the erosion of our power? Um, you know, basically, the, the question I asked Bob Work a few days ago at, at our defense forum was, you know, isn't the issue basically that the proliferation of precision munitions around the world poses fundamental challenges to the joint force. What I'm trying to do in this report is add a little bit of clarity to the issues and to sort of, you know, take a little bit of the fog um, and, and opacity away from, from this, this debate and to sort of be very clear about what the challenges are and how we can solve them. As these reforms hopefully uh, move forward, I'm sure we'll be talking to you more. Thanks so much.